0: Welcome.
1: Welcome to the A Fire Podcast, now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Each episode features real and honest conversations with thought leaders from around the world at all levels of the commercial real estate and investing business, examining the ideas and questions fundamental to the future of our industry. Where are we now? What happens next? What should we do about it? How do we become better investors, leaders, and global citizens? For more, here's your host and the CEO of AFIRE, Gunnar Branson. Real
0: estate as an industry has long been a laggard in the areas of racial and gender equality. And whether intentional or not, it's also been an instrument for segregation and racial and economic inequity. In the light of the events of this last year, it's impossible to ignore the imperative for us to change the social and economic framework. But making that change, it's complicated, it's hard. It requires self-examination and fundamental changes to assumptions in everyday activity. I remember the first day I met Colette English Dixon. She gave a thought-provoking and passionate speech around diversity and the weaknesses of existing diversity programs. She challenged our assumptions and pushed us to think deeper, see more, and ultimately to take action. Now, just so you know who Colette is, uh, she is currently the executive director uh, at Bennett Institute of Real Estate at Roosevelt University in Chicago. Uh, she used to be, for many years, the executive director of transactions for PGIM Real Estate and the co-leader of Investment Dispositions. She's also the past president of Crew Chicago, and Crew is the Commercial Real Estate Women's Network. I'm excited and honored to welcome Colette to the A Fire podcast. Thank you, Colette, for joining us.
2: Always good to see you, Gunnar. Thanks for the invite.
0: So I've got a few questions here, but I'm sure uh, I won't get to them all. And I'm sure you'll take us in all sorts of different directions here. Uh, but maybe what we should start with um, how you've gone, you've, your journey. You've gone from uh, real estate, equity, investing to academia. What prompted you to make that dramatic shift? And and where do you think uh, this allows you to go?
2: Yes, it was a big shift. and. The change was really uh, catalyzed by my not having fun anymore in the job that I had, right? Sometimes you just wake up and go, it's just time to try something different. So with that in mind, I just jumped into the pool, not really sure what I wanted to do. And this opportunity fell in my lap. I struggle with it. I'm not an academician. It's my engagement in the world of academia has been, just from a distance and engaging in various efforts, but not really on the front lines. But this particular program was one I was very familiar with and having been on the advisory board in the past. I recognized that it had carved out a very interesting niche in real estate education in Chicago in particular, because being part of Roosevelt University, which is an in the city, um, totally urban university with a very diverse student population, it had managed over its years to attract a diverse student to its graduate program. And I felt that that was a very interesting opportunity for me to potentially marry my interest in advancing diversity inclusion in the real estate space with my passion around preparing talent and my knowledge. So hoping that I could bring all of that experience and passion and interest into play, I thought I would jump and see what I could do. Um, Probably the jury's still out on what I'm doing or what I'm going to accomplish with this, but I felt that there was a real opportunity to make a difference in a different way. And I am still excited about the potential on the table. Uh, In the current circumstance, it's definitely something that is being discussed a lot, uh, given the dynamic of our demographics and what's going on in the industry in general. So it keeps me energized. It frustrates the heck out of me. Academia is not the private business world, they function differently, they think differently but um, just trying to stay steady to the course. I'm excited about what we can maybe do here.
0: Well, that's probably healthy (laughs) in terms of keeping skepticism as well as passion uh, moving forward. So how do you think specifically education can help move the ball forward in terms of diversity inclusion?
2: So as you know, Gunnar, um, one of the biggest issues in the talent pipeline in this industry is front end talent, right? You've got to get people in the process. That knowledge of that opportunity has not always been widely shared. So there is a huge gap in awareness of the career potential, the um, talent needs, the alignment of skills and interests in diverse communities that would partner well with roles in the commercial real estate industry. So our pipeline of students who are the typical entrance into either undergraduate real estate program, or let's say in particular, undergraduate real estate programs, because most of the industry likes to hire at that level. They're not big hiring people with graduate degrees and no experience. It is a woefully homogenous pool of students. And so if we are serious about developing talent, um, enhancing the talent pipeline of young people into the industry, we've got to take the educational opportunity and expose it to young people. You've got to get them in high school. You've got to open their eyes in high school, hopefully shepherd them into college, support their interests through college, and position them for career path opportunities once they graduate. That will make a huge difference. You've got to build a pipeline. You can't just sit there and wait for people to show up. And when they show up later, and as you know, real estate becomes something that people be, they get an awareness of as they get older, right? They maybe have a friend who sells homes or uh, the gateway drug to real estate, you know, Um, and, or they have in some other role, kind of maybe fallen into the industry. They're an accountant and they got a job with a real estate company. And then suddenly they're like, whoa, what is this? So then they may go back to school. And at that point, you're on the graduate level to help enhance their knowledge. But if they're not already in the space, it's hard to transfer in. So we've gotta get them in and we've gotta get them in early. And education is the doorway to that. And what continues to really just amaze me, given the higher profile of this industry, especially in the 21st century, um, as it is talked about its impact on cities and neighborhoods and all this sort of stuff, there is still no transparency in communities of color about how you engage. It is so complicated. It's so convoluted. It's so closely held in so many instances that they don't know mm-hmm. how to get there. Mm-hmm. We've got to fix that. And education is the way to do it.
0: You and I have had this conversation around, you know, what are the things that people have to know how to do or how do people come into real estate? And I've often been struck that there are there's more than one track. There's a few tracks that get you to real estate, quite a few. few. Um, as long as you're white and male. Mm. Um, why are we not able to see that um, with with other groups?
2: Well, let's take the white male part. This is an industry that is predominantly white and male. right. And with that, there has been an opportunity for the children of these families to see what their parents do, see what their dad does, see you'll get engaged in it. And as it's also a very entrepreneurial business on a huge part of the platform, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about how big this industry is. And we talk about the institutions, the fundamental base of this or of this industry is entrepreneurial. So as people have their businesses, they bring in their family members, they figure it all out. Well, if you don't have that to share, your children never know about it yeah so it becomes a little self-perpetuating mm-hmm. so we're gonna to have to break the cycle that knowledge of the industry and the incredible numbers of ways that you can participate is knowledge that is as closely held as it has been mm-hmm. we have to break through that and share that exposure so that we're not waiting for someone's parents to bring them in we're not waiting for them to hit some eureka moment where they go oh wow that's really fascinating. How do I get there? <laughs> We've got to help them see it. Mm-hmm. It's got to be deliberate. It's got to be intentional. And um, I'm really excited about all the different platforms that are being developed right now to help break through that wall of, um, I don't want to call it you know, self-controlled. I don't want to, I don't want to make anything negative about it, but there's a wall. And we also know, and I think you and I do know a few people who fit this box. There are people who have art history majors who are real estate professionals doing incredibly well, which makes it even harder to see. Like, do I have to be a finance major? Do I have to know accounting? Do I have to be, you know, am I going to be an architect or whatever? It's so amazingly complex, but it's really pretty simple. If you're exposed to it, you figure it out. Yeah. You figure out where your skills can match well with the opportunities that are there if you can see them. Mm -hmm. the hidden pathways are incredibly hard to maneuver and we've got to help guide people to and through them.
0: Yeah. Well, on the, on the corporate side, which obviously you spent a lot of time, everyone wants to do something. They want to make it better, especially now the imperative is there. And so the first thing I hear from folks is, well, let's let's uh, re-energize or let's create um, a diversity program and have certain targets that we're going to hit and, and, and everything else, which you know are not negative in of themselves, but it does seem that there's something perhaps missing, something that isn't being addressed. So what is being missed? What is it in these programs that we should think about doing or thinking about expanding or you know, what are we missing?
2: First of all, I do want to applaud the effort that is being undertaken right now um, in various corners of this industry to align with knowledge, align with um, platforms that are focused on helping to support the development of diverse talent. I'm really, really pleased to see that, but I'm going to tell you, I've seen it five, six, seven times through the cycle that I've been in this industry. So my point is like, okay, we've been here before. So what makes this different? Um, What I also find is that the opportunity now is a little better because of the players involved. One of the things that I always thought was very interesting and having been in the real estate investment management business with Prudential for really my whole career was how certain quadrants of the industry kind of got it. They got diversity to a certain extent and managed to organically do that. While I think it was mostly gender diversity, not necessarily racial, cultural, or ethnic, but they worked on it and did incredible jobs at like better balancing their gender engagement. What they didn't do was look at diversity as a bit more holistic. And I think that with some of the um, platforms that are being created right now or expanded like Project REIT, um the rec summer immersion program the project destined program that are partnering with institutional and large players here that's a way for these firms to expand and enhance their efforts to intentionally help develop talent pipeline and that is gotta be a long haul view i don't want people kind of go, you know, we tried that for a couple of years and it really didn't get anywhere. It's like it, it took you many decades to get this far behind the curve. It's going to take you a minute to catch up. It just has to be, but you've got to really engage in it. You've got to be intentional in it. The quote that the numbers gave, um, I know there are a lot of firms that are a bit loath to say, we're going to tackle our diversity and equity issues and target these sort of numbers and hires or interviewees or we have the Rooney rule or whatever we're gonna do. A lot of firms are very concerned about that because they don't want it to appear as though they're creating quotas. And legitimately, people who get brought into firms under those sort of umbrellas, sometimes actually come in at a little bit of a disadvantage anyway, because there are gonna be people who go, oh, you got in because you hit the quota. Right. And that's unfair. Um, and sets that person up. potentially. And, and, and yet,
0: do we do we ever say something along the lines of you came in with the lacrosse team? No, we don't. <laughs> and we should, yeah. because we you should. see the same range of talent that you would see with any population. And yet you get a pass because you were, you were part of the lacrosse team. Or, and I don't want me to diss lacrosse particularly, but there is, you know, some version of that um, in there every is. organization.
2: There is. And so the fact that looking at it from the racial, ethnic, cultural diversity piece with it, the lens of like, it was OK to have those kind of perspectives over here, but not over here. We won't get into how to what that really looks <laughs> like. Right. We're not gonna, we're just not going to go there. Fair um, enough. But it is important for companies to have intentional approaches to casting the wider net, to looking at places for talent they've never looked before. Think about the amount of talent that's sitting in HBC is. Think about the talent that's sitting in other or other institutions, universities and colleges that are of a similar profile to say Roosevelt that have a very diverse student population, good quality education, opening up the lens going not everybody has to come from UC Chapel Hill or has to come out of Wharton to be successful in this industry will go an incredibly long way to making a difference. Partnering with these organizations that I mentioned to help support their efforts to outreach and gather in potential talent. And then I think the other thing that companies should think about doing is looking internally. While there may not be a ton of uh, diverse talent in those firms at the moment, almost everybody has something. Almost everybody has someone in the mix. Mm -hmm. Look at them and go, are we developing to their greatest potential? Are we giving them the opportunities? to expand and advance in their careers, that then they can become the role models for what else we're trying to do. Um, There are so many ways to just tweak what's already going on that should bring about some pretty major outcomes, but it's gotta be knowledge of the opportunity. It's attracting them to the opportunity. It's helping them get to the opportunity, developing them to be successful and advancing them on that success. Mm -hmm. And, at any one point in that process, a firm walks away or just drops the ball, they're gonna lose it. Yeah. They're gonna lose that person. They're gonna lose that opportunity. And that's where I've often seen the outcomes being less than we would hope.
0: So w- why does that happen? What stands in the way for executing on what? I mean, I, I don't think anyone could disagree with all the things you just said. I mean, that we have to do <laughs> in terms of guiding anyone. Um, what's standing in the way,
2: um, historical structure, um, internal unspoken bias, Mm -hmm. unconscious bias, um, the entrepreneurial mindset of what is success is often a limitation. Um, the lack of pressure that entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of institutional investment managers and institutional investors are looking at this really closely because their clients are saying, uh, hello, you know, we're giving you millions of dollars to invest for us. That money is coming in many instances out of the pension funds of our employees who are often incredibly diverse. Yeah. And they're wondering how you're using their money. And oh, by the way, who's helping, who's you, who's doing this for you? Yeah. Who's working on your team? Yeah. And that sort of pressure, you know, which has been shown through CalPERS and many other state pension funds who are huge investors in this industry makes a difference. Yeah. But if the institutional structure that you're operating in as a company doesn't really see how it can do it and is kind of is it pushed to do it, they're not gonna do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, so we it's it's the pressure, it's the intent. It's companies owning the value proposition of diversity.
0: Right.
2: You know, I, it used to be, I mean, you remember this, Gunnar, right? I was talking about diversity because it was the right thing to do. You know, you were getting all these trainings on, um, you know, what there was this really weird animation thing that Pru had, it was trying to teach about inclusion of people who were different than you and all of that. And it was like a giraffe and a hippopotamus. It was really, really <laughs> strange. You know, try to avoid, you know, just try to avoid that don't look too much like real people problem, um, but, it was not effective in having people own what they were really doing. How they were doing performance reviews, how they were providing mentoring or not, Um, how they were selectively going, you know, he went to the same school I went to, so I'm going to hang out with him. Um, Not that he really needs me to hang out with him, but we have an affinity. It was comfortable to not engage We've got to get people out of that wanting to be comfortable in this process of engaging with people who are not like them, of helping to support talent that needs that sort of mentoring and guidance and providing it honestly and in a timely fashion so that they can advance and improve. So I think the structure of managing talent in many companies is really the biggest barrier. But another thing, no one wants to be the only one in the room. Yes. Yes. It is really hard. Um, I remember when I started my career back in the dark ages of a very different real estate industry, but in an institution that overall was actually quite diverse. I mean, most insurance companies have always had huge numbers of diverse people working for them. But in my office in the Southeast, I was the only black, yeah. I was the youngest, the only one of color, um, was not from the south. I'm from the Midwest. I'm starting in Atlanta. I felt very lonely, and it is really hard to engage in a space where you feel like an outsider, where there's no one who can help you or is actually going through the same things or been through the same things that you can actually look to, to as a mentor, um, as just a covenant to kind of go, "Am I crazy?" So. Being the only one is very, very hard. Somebody wants to do that, and I really do applaud you know those who have been willing to be the first one in the door, but it's a very difficult existence. Companies need to be aware of that challenge and find ways to mitigate that gap by partnering up new talent with support from maybe other parts of their company to give them that community that can be you know, a real uh, benefit to their success. But you got to think about it. You got to think about that culture. We got to think about, you know, how people are, you know, doing performance reviews and how they're engaging with this talent. And so they could bring their whole selves to work. They could feel like they could be, you know, who they are and really engaged with the business and bring those talents to the table for everybody's benefit.
0: So if we somehow manage to get past ourselves, somehow manage to be more conscious and courageous enough to perhaps... Work against the current of how things have always been done before, or worrying about, you know, somehow if I if I do something that's different, if I think about it differently, then I'm not going to succeed myself, or uh, what have you. If we get past that, if we start doing something that isn't just a year or two of diversity programs as fashion, and then we move forward, what does our industry look like? What is the goal? What do you think? might happen in the next 10 years?
2: One of the things I think is important to think about is if you have 50% of your employee or your labor pool providing less than their fair share of input and engagement, you as a business have lost out and probably a multiple of that in your success. So if we get past ourselves, um, if we can create, Uh, an industry culture that is supportive of a holistic talent, attraction development, advancement model. So I want everybody to benefit from this personally. I think you fix it for some groups, you fix it for everybody. It works out really well that way, right? Um, And we as an industry should see incredible benefits from that engagement of diverse perspectives new talent that's underutilized. Uh, Because diversity isn't just about the fact that someone's black or brown or Asian or whatever. But usually they bring in the room, their lived experience, they usually bring in the room a different view. That might be a unique advantage that they can give you to help you and your business do better. Um, I know one of the models that we're talking about a lot right now is how the multi-housing industry, which has somewhat tackled its gender diversity issue, but hasn't tackled the other diversity issues around racial and cultural ethnic ethnicity. Given the increased diversity of their customer pool, their renters, having a more diverse talent pool to engage in their business May provide them with a leg up on how to do better with their customer pool because they will have those perspectives at the table when they're talking about strategies and policies and marketing initiatives and all these sort of things. Bringing that knowledge in can be a game changer for companies. So I see we get past ourselves, we find a way to engage and fairly utilize the talents and insights and perspectives of a diverse talent pool, we as an industry should be able to deliver better returns to our investors, should be able to become more resilient with some of the economic moves that happen because we may see them differently. Because someone at the table may have been through a similar view, a similar cycle somewhere else, and they bring it to you. And you kind of go, this is what seems to be going on. That knowledge is woefully untapped. So the more information and knowledge you have in the room, the better the decisions are that you make, the more successful you'll be. Bottom line. And in this industry, which is about as capitalistic as any I can think of, that's not a bad outcome. Everybody benefits.
0: Absolutely. Well... Um, So I've left with a a, a spirit of hope (laughs) from this interview uh, about where things can go, but uh, certainly uh, having your perspective as truly a real estate insider uh, on what we should do, where we should go, and someone who's actively creating that pipeline uh, that we as an industry need to engage with. Um, I'm just really excited that you're doing the work you're doing. So thank you, Colette.
1: Thanks, Gunnar. Good to see you. Please visit afire.org slash podcast.